You know, I think food is, again, sort of a representation of trust, right? If you're going to sit down and have a meal with somebody, you're trusting them. And if you go way back, you're trusting them not to poison you, right? Bannon? Cut to. Exterior. Interior. Restaurant? Bar. Club. Guys, what's going on? Yo, ho, ho in a bottle of rum. Probably Santa Claus does not say that, but I'd like to think he would, at least for certain households, if you know what I'm saying. Wink, wink. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, yes, this is our last episode of 2019. A very Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Or is it Merry Kwanzaa? I apologize. I do not know, but I want to cover all of my bases. Uh, Let's leave 2019 in good spirits and have some faith, have some good old-fashioned faith that 2020 is going to be optimized like no one's business. That is right. But before we even start 2020, let's kick some ass as 2019 winds down. Let's kick some ass, not with sea bass, but with some pie. That's right. So restaurant fiction We are reviewing the fictional restaurants and the fictional pies in the Amazon Prime show called Ty the Pie Guy, and we are interviewing our dear, dear friend, the producer of this series, Susan Lampert. Now, a little bit about Susan. Besides being a dear friend, she has produced some awesome plays. She has produced, uh, she has wrote Uh, some versions of Shakespeare's most notable plays. Recently, I saw her Shakespeare play Macbeth. It was stellar. Uh, She has worked for the big studios. She has worked as an independent uh, writer, director, uh, producer, etc., etc. Her list goes on and on and on. But most importantly, she knows pie. And she knows Ty the Pie Guy. That is right. So without any... Further ado, here is our review of Tie the Pie Guy and our interview with Susan Lampert. Go. Guys, welcome to the Restaurant Fiction Podcast. My name is Monis Rose, and today our guest extraordinaire is Susan Lampert. Now, Susan is a producer of a show called Tie the Pie Guy. Now, she also knows a thing or two about uh, not just cooking shows, but children's cooking shows and getting into the kitchen, getting into the pie kitchen. Anyway, before we hear from her, we actually went into the kitchen of Ty the Pie Guy. Who is uh, Ty the Pie Guy? Well, he is a pie extraordinaire. He is a cooking extraordinaire, and he makes one heck of a pie. Now, his uh, Blue Ribbon award-winning pie, it was toasted coconut, whipped cream, blueberry compote, lemon cheesecake with a graham cracker crust. 
what is it about pie? Well, first of all, pie is one of those things that it's almost like a quilt. A pie recipe can be passed down from generation to generations, but also it can be a smorgasbord. Like you can get a little bit of this recipe and a little bit of that recipe and a little bit of this recipe. So it doesn't actually have to come from one single person, which in a way that's what uh, Ty did with his pie. What makes this kitchen, this cooking kitchen, a little more comfortable than, say, a real uh, a kitchen you would find in an architecture magazine is that it's, uh, it's a little homey. It's been lived in. That's real, guys. That is real. That's what I like. That's what someone can resonate with. It really means that it's okay not to be perfect. It's not about perfection in this kitchen. It's not about perfection with the food. It's about efficiency. Is it efficient? Yes, it is efficient. It gets the job done. Also, because it doesn't have to be perfect, there is a level of uh, mistakes are okay. And mistakes in a way are fun. That it's almost there is this level of zaniness. And when you put zaniness and silliness into food, that's almost in a way love. And you really feel that when I get any kind of slice of pie, or it could be a grilled cheese, or some kind of breakfast pizza, and I know it's done with a smile, well, guess what? All of those foods deserve the blue ribbon. So, Susan, what did you think of that little quick, very mini review of Ty the Pie Guy and Ty the Pie Guy's Kitchen? You hit on a lot of the all the themes that we were talking about when we were working on the show. One of the big differences for Ty the Pie Guy is that it is a, it's not a kid chef. It's not the ultimate in food. It is actually kind of made for people who might be a little bit afraid of going into their kitchen and for kids and families to kind of go, okay, I don't know how, like some of that, you watch those cooking shows and they're like hardcore. They're amazing. They're really intense. You're really, some people get really inspired and other people get intimidated because they're like, well, I can never do that. So this is kind of the show for, you know, parents and kids that maybe didn't grow up with 12 cookbooks in their kitchen and kind of want to start small, but it is done with love. It is done with humor and storytelling. You know, a little digression, you know, I, w- I wish uh, growing up, I had a person like Ty the Pie Guy in my life. For sure. We all need to tie the pie guy in our life because Ty makes a lot of mistakes. And then either his sister or the kid that he's helping kind of go, uh, Ty, maybe it should be this way. It's the idea that food and making food can be fun. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be scary or difficult or, oh my God, how, how I did it wrong. You know, you mess up a pie, it almost always still tastes good. You know, it might not look perfect, but it tastes good. Speaking of pie, Susan, are you a pie person? You know, it's funny. I would not say I'm a pie person. I would say I'm more of a cake or brownie person. A sun, brownie Sunday is kind of my thing. However, there's a couple of pies that I do love. So, um, so Ty brought me a lot of pies into my life, and it was great. Yeah, uh, care to tell? Well, that the finale pie, it sounds kind of crazy, and it's the best pie I've ever had. Barring a childhood pie that really is my favorite pie in the whole world. But of the pies I've had since I'm an adult, it's, it's amazingly good. It took a long time. Ty had that recipe, I think, in his head, and it really did actually bring in certain things from the show, actually. So it was sort of really was the finale pie in some ways, and that it, it sort of called back to other episodes. And it took a long time to make sure it had the right amount 
that it wasn't too sweet, really, was the big thing. The first few came out really, really sweet, which, of course, is great. But then you get to like the third bite, and you're like, oh, no, I can't eat any more of this. How much research went into Tie the Pie Guy? Tie the Pie Guy came about in an interesting way. Tie the Pie Guy in real life is Ty Friedman. And he was an actor and comedian that I had worked with. Then he sent me, you know, kind of a script of the show. And I was like, this is great. This should be on PBS. And then he couldn't get anybody to really look at it. So then he came back to me and he said, I think I'm thinking of doing it as a web show. And I was like, I know that world. I didn't really know. For me, the research that needed to happen was uh, children's media. He had a huge knowledge of kids. He's now got a graduate certificate in children's media and has worked as like a teacher of gymnastics and science and sort of all those preschool and after school sort of children's programs. But he actually is a fifth generation baker in real life. So his family still owns a bakery back in the Boston area called Blue Moon Bagel Cafe. So he grew up in a kitchen and he grew up a little bit with like the big the big ovens and all that stuff. But I think he may have been a little more on the actor creative side. So I think some of that, it's got to be perfect and it's got to look perfect, may have also been something that was a little bit like, yeah, that's not really for me. So he kind of comes and goes at the restaurant, but it really inspired for sure Tie the Pie Guy. And watching kids and parents in particular struggle with food issues at that early age, that like four to six age, when either kid really, I think, comes to love food or comes to be a little bit afraid of it. As a parent, I know how challenging that can be. I had, you know, I think I would say actually our youngest is pretty ambitious when it comes to food, which is lovely, but our middle child was very picky. And I was a picky eater as a kid. It's really can be a struggle for a lot of parents to work through that, to be like, hey, try this. Have something other than chicken nuggets in your life. And that was part of the mission of the show. What is it about food and kids and like zaniness, in a way like, I guess, zaniness, silliness that mesh so well with uh, TV or, you know, or web series? Isn't that what you need, like, to move on with human civilization is kids, zanies, and, and food? Do we need anything else? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need to laugh a little, and, you know, I, and that's what I love. Ty brought so much humor and so much really inventive things, and it's a mix of a world that is in many ways grounded in reality and pretty casual in a lot of ways, but then has these kind of magical surprises that, we, and we discuss the word magic a lot because it's not a magical show. There's not magic in the show, but there is zaniness in the show, and, and probably the oven phone is a good example. Like Ty can talk to kids through an oven phone that's really just a screen that comes up on his phone, which is kind of a crazy idea. Wouldn't it be great if your phone was your telephone, you know, or your FaceTime? And it's sort of FaceTime in the in the oven, which is weird. And you don't really want to do that. But then and then through that oven phone, he can kind of go visit kids and then bring them into the kitchen and solve their problems through cooking. If you want to uh, produce another cooking show, whether it be children or not, like what are uh, some things to keep in mind, you know, to, for moving forward? It's interesting. I, I said right after we finished, I would not do another cooking show. <laughs> The food just takes so long. It really takes a long time to get the food out of its trailer. And part of that is we shot this in a real kitchen. We didn't shoot this in a studio kitchen. So I think there's a lot of advantages to a studio kitchen, obviously, but they're expensive. You know, so this is an independent show and I love to work independently. And so as an independent artist, I'm always sort of like, I think we're going to have to go with a real kitchen because we looked at other kitchens and because you need working equipment. It's not easy. I mean, it, I think for a cooking show, you can't really fake it. If you're just 
kind of glancing through the food, then maybe you don't actually need a working kitchen, but that was important. And so we used a real home. And we wanted that homey feel. We wanted it to feel like like it was someone's home and not a commercial kitchen. But I would get some food handlers almost right away. So good food handlers are great. You can't have enough of them. <laughs> quite a lot. Like, like if you're making a food show, you need food handlers and good ones. And then just patience for me, just because you have to like, it's like shooting a commercial. You have to get the food to look good. If you care. In Tethapaga, again, we had some wiggle room because it was real food and mistakes we made. But if we were shooting like a not tie the pie guy, we would have had to really work hard to make that food look perfect. And so I, my hat's off to all of the amazing cooking shows. And, and I think that's when a studio helps. But you get a group of people that are on board. It's getting the right people on board for any project. Gotcha. Now, besides producing uh, Tie the Pie Guy, you recently uh, produced a play that I saw, uh, Macbeth. One of the pinnacle scenes is actually the dining table scene. It's the food scene. It's, yes, uh, it's the famous the, famous food scene, yes, it's right? the famous food scene. Well, I mean, I guess looking back at your work, how many times, whether it be a play or a film or you know any kind of project, has like either a food element to it? I think food and music are continuing themes in my projects, which is really interesting. My work is really eclectic. The stuff I'm interested in is all over the map. I do theater, film, web shows. I write, I produce, sometimes I direct. So it's all over the map. But if you look through, there are some themes, and music being one of them. So I've done some musicals, but even if, like the Tie the Pie Guy theme, once we had that, it brought kind of the show together for us in terms of tone. One of the other projects I directed was Appalachian Twelfth Night, and I produced that and that with some dear, 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 amazing friends. And if music be the food of love, play on. That is a line that resonates with me, oddly, in almost every project. So if it's not music, it's food, and ideally it's both. And what do you think the food says about the characters? You know, I think food is, again, sort of a representation of trust, right? If you're going to sit down and have a meal with somebody, you're trusting them. And if you go way back, you're trusting them not to poison you, right? <laughs> like if you, if you want to go back to Macbeth, like the joke being is that line that he says, I drink to the general health of the whole table, is used over and over again. That's a famous, it's one of Shakespeare's most famous quotes. And it's Macbeth saying it, and he's just killed people, right? So, like, he's like, welcome to my table. And then he's about to go real crazy. So it's a really interesting juxtaposition, and people use that to make toasts with. They use that line, you're like, hmm, do you know where that comes from? Are we supposed to trust you now? But I also think food is community, and food is connection. And that's what I'm really interested in. On the external level, uh, someone can just say, oh, I'm in a way, watching this uh, children's cooking show. But on in a more intimate level, there's some there's depth. And every episode in Tie the Pie Guy is also a story. And storytelling is a big part of cooking, right? So, you know, you sort of take some ingredients and you mix them together, and then you come up with something that's more than the sum of its parts. And so much of Tie the Pie Guy, every episode has a story that is a kid has a problem, and Ty uses 
basically a recipe to help them solve it. And really what they're doing is he's using connection. He's helping them with their problems. You know, a kid is new and he's changed schools all the time. He's new in school again, one more time. And Ty's like, make some Rice Krispie treats and share them. And you'll sort of immediately have friends. If you share, if you offer somebody food for the most part, they're like, what? Thanks. I love that. You know, and suddenly they're your best friend, right? (laughs) So, because you gave them some food. Going into now the, your role as a producer, what is a relationship with the writer? So Ty sort of came to me, and I was like, oh, somebody at PBS should do this, because I don't know kids programming. The original plan was just to really shoot one, maybe two episodes. But then we did an Indiegogo, and raised some money, and then had some other people that were like, I'll help. And then I was like, you know what? We should do the whole show, because we, we'll have to spread it out. We'll have to be very careful. And then it's you know hiring everybody and finding locations and putting it together. So I was basically the executive producer of the show and we co-created basically the show together so but it's really like Ty's baby like it can't be done without Ty so there's some shows that you're like oh we've come up with this concept and anybody can do it this is Ty is Ty the pie guy that's always been integral to the show and he's got such a, a lovely voice and a lovely goofy manner there's such a warmth in him and in the show and that's I really responded to, too. And, and so part of it is making sure that the material with the writer, that what the writer's trying to achieve, they achieve. That's key. That's what a producer is. is like knowing what the script is, what the best parts of the script, and making sure those get done. How can a writer enhance the role of a producer? I think if you're working with a, a producer that wants to be a creative producer, and many of them do, if you can find a way to, to forge the connection and then use the best of them. Not every producer is good at everything. That's why there's like 10 producers on most things. <laughs> you know, like there really is. It's like, okay, here's the money producer and here's this producer and the line producer. and the, There are literally 50 producers on a Broadway show. It's insane because you need that many. And some of them are, you know, really good at marketing. And some of them are really good at raising money. Most of them are really good at raising money, which is, you know, like that's because it takes a lot of money. You know, Ty and I, Really, by the end, which is one of the reasons I think when we started off, we didn't really, we knew each other, but we didn't really know each other. (laughs) Then you have those discussions of like, okay, I really feel strongly that this hat needs to be this way. And, you know, we've got to cut this scene and can we do it against a wall instead of like, you know, a green screen because budget, you know, and then let's figure out how to make it funny, but economical and trust and communication is key. And if you don't, have that, you have to find some way. If you have to make it work together, you have to figure out how to make it work together. It's like, okay, I know I can use this part of this producer as a writer. I know the producer will tell me the truth about this. You have to build trust with the people you work with, and then then it's fun. It should be fun. We're making movies and TV shows. How do you find your writers? A lot of times the writers find me. Because I have a lot of projects going on, but I'm pretty independent. Ty, I had worked with as an actor on another project. He lit up our room. He was, you know, not at the top of the actor call sheet. But when he showed up and needed to be there, he was there. He was funny. He was joyful. And he was ready. He became one of my favorite people (laughs) because of all those things. So when he sent me his script and said, would you read this? And he really, I think, just wanted feedback at that point. And that's all I, I thought that I would give him. It's like, okay, here are my thoughts. Because it didn't seem like it was in my wheelhouse necessarily. He came back at a time when I really was intrigued by the web show format. 
I was like, I really want to do a web show. And when he came back and said, I'm interested in doing this as a web show, I was like, well, that's perfect, because I just said that in my head. So I'm a big believer that like there's sort of serendipitous things that happen, and then the right project shows up at the right time with the right people. And that felt, definitely felt like that. So that happened that way. I just saw something in a producer's group, a young kind of producer, director, writer in theater, and she had posts like, like, what do you think of my artwork and my you know stuff? And I responded and I said, I think this is great. And I just liked what she was doing. And so then she reached back out and said, hey, do you want to come see it? And I was like, okay. And then I went to see it and I thought there was something there. And so we're, we've continued the conversation. And continuing the conversation is a good way. If a producer responds, stay in touch. If it's not that project, stay in touch because they see something. And so the people that I've worked with are people who have come back to me and have done some of the work. As an independent producer, you need somebody who's willing to like do the work and make changes and, and do that because unless you're a studio, and even then they're going to want that too. Like if, but if people go, hey, I liked your stuff, even if they then go, we're not going to do anything with it, that is a door. They've left a door open. As a writer, you should go knocking back on that door again. What are bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise? Don't wait for it. Go make something. Make a podcast. Make an independent film. Make a, make a play. Don't wait for it. <laughs> Just you know, and I don't know how many people are saying that, but sometimes I think people think, oh, I'm about to have something. It's going to happen. It could take years for a feature to happen. You may sell a feature and then nothing happens, right? Nothing. Television tends to move a little faster, but you can be trying to sell a pilot for a long time. So just keep doing something else. You've lived here for a few decades, more than a, a few. A few. I'm not ashamed. Well, first of all... uh what are your favorite restaurants in LA? Where are you taking restaurant fiction? Well, I love Cliff's Edge. So does Richard. Did yeah. we say the same thing? We yeah. did. Is it really that romantic? Because we both like it. So oh, then yeah. it becomes romantic to yeah. us. But you're in a little treehouse, right? And there's little pockets of tables. It doesn't feel like a LA restaurant to me. I do like Firefly in the Valley. I also love any Thai place, basically. <laughs> um, there's a place called Leia Thai. Le- no, Leela Thai. Leela Thai. <laughs> We joked and named it after my dog, Leia. So that's why it was always Leia Thai, even though it's Leela Thai, and it's in Silver Lake as well. It's just a little neighborhood Thai restaurant, but it was my neighborhood Thai restaurant, so I like you know that. And we love Stony Point, which is in Pasadena. When I was recently out of grad school, I decided I didn't want to have a day job in the industry. So I ended up working for an organization called Children of the Night, which was a basically rescued street kids and child prostitutes and ha- was a, basically a shelter for them, but also had an outreach organization. So I, we basically would go drive around Hollywood looking for prostitutes in order to give them services and condoms and do outreach. So we would be out kind of all night and we would go and eat at those Thai restaurants in Thai town. And it was, I felt like I was a cop. The discussion was what's our next food, right? It was like, okay, where are we going to go tonight? As we're driving around, it's like, oh, should we go to that Thai place or that Thai place? Oh, I want to go back to, you know. And then after that, a few hours later, became the discussion of when, do, where do we go get donuts? Picture this. So we are right now in Thai's kitchen. 
He is saying, hey, Susan, I'm going to make you anything you want. What do you want Ty to make you? And what is Ty making you? What is that dream meal, the dream dish? Ty's grandmother, Bubby, who has made a meal for me and is basically an inspiration for Ty, too. She makes this cauliflower that's really just a baked cauliflower, but it's got some sort of thing that's like cheese and, but not too much cheese. It's just a crusty. It's a little bit crusty. It's so good. Like, it's so good. It's like French fries. I literally, she made them for me, and then I didn't even want to share them. I was like, no, you can't have any. No one else can have any. So I wanted Ty to do that for me. Susan, anything else you want to add? You got to have Ty on the show so we can talk about Ty the Pie Guy the movie. Yes. So, We'd love to have both of you back. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Um, because Ty the Pie Guy the movie is, again, inspired by the show. It's a little bit of a prequel to the show in a, in a world that is... Mostly Ty the Pie Guy, the show. So you, if you watch the show, you will enjoy the movie for sure. But if you don't know anything about the show, the movie is is kind of a new introduction to Ty and sort of explores. It is sort of again very much kind of uh, inspired by also sort of the '90s Nickelodeon movies, which we were both huge fans of. In that you know, it's sort of a ragtag band of misfit kids and Ty have to save the town and the bakery, and so it has a ton of food and a ton of really exciting things. It's very funny, but also kind of got an emotional heart core to it that I think is prevalent in the show, but we don't have a lot of time to explore it because we've finished a draft and we're about to get together and we'll do a rewrite on that. And then, um, but we're really close. And so then we're going to be trying to get that show made. And so we have some interested people in Canada. We're looking at either possibly shooting it in Canada, Vancouver, Toronto, or Boston, in the Boston area, because Massachusetts has some nice tax breaks. Susan, this was awesome. Thank you so much. For Thank you. Thanks awesome. for having me. Susan, that was fucking awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time. All right. So guys, this holiday break, or if you have a second, either with your family or not, hop on Amazon Prime and watch Tie the Pie Guy. Do yourselves a favor. It is fantastic. It's a different kind of food show. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's, um, it's not very formal, you know, it's just fun. It's zany. You learn something. It has a lot of hearts and that's really what food and baking and community and really television, um, needs to always be. So check that out. Also, Susan Lampert has a long list of credits uh, go on her IMDb page and check it out. Um, you know, recently we saw her play in New York. Um, on it was on Broadway, but I guess it's considered an off-Broadway production. I'm not. I don't know the technicalities of that system. But anyway, we saw her play in Midtown uh, called Confidence. It was outstanding. We recently also she did a version of uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth. She has a production company called 134 West, and she is always, always interested in uh, learning about new voices and just so anyway, support Ty the Pie Guy. Please watch this show. Um, look up all of her work, and if you happen to uh, see that there is a play, she is either producing, directing, or writing, a TV show, a movie, uh, check it out. Because, uh, let's just say, you'll die a happy person if you do so. 
That's right. Is that a little over dramatic? Nope, not at all. I mean, I don't bullshit a bullshitter. That's what I'm saying. My name is Monis Rose. Where can you find me? Well, on every single episode of Restaurant Fiction. And guys, uh, we do not ask for a donation, but if you can do us a favor and please give us an awesome review on iTunes or wherever you hear this fantastic Restaurant Fiction podcast. If you do not want to listen to our episodes, you can always read them word for word on restaurantfiction.com. And remember... As 2019 winds down and 2020 picks up and revs up and gets those engines and the V12, V16, V18 going, keep it real, keep it fresh, and always, always keep it on the flip side. Cut to exterior, interior. Restaurant? Bar.